real quick here. Beautiful. I know, beautiful flowers, huh, Reagan? Those are awesome, huh? Um, but hey, I am Scott. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I am in recovery from sex addiction and compulsive overeating. Hey, and I'm glad that you guys could be here with me tonight and grateful that uh, you guys are just as messed up as I am. And I know some of you sit out there and go, no. And some of you are like, dude, you don't even know the half of it, Scott. You got it easy. I know, I know. We all think the same thing in recovery, and it's great. Um, but here's the deal is, man, one thing I know, drugs, alcohol, pornography, controlling others can really mess up how we feel, how we think, and how we act. And uh, they mess up our life. And I know for me as a sex addict, I've had some suicidal thoughts. I've been extremely depressed. I've been at moments where I've had those thoughts of going, man, do people even care enough about me? Like, what would happen if I just ended it? And I've had those thoughts, and I know that there's some of us out here sitting in the room that may struggle in that way. But let me just tell you right now, one, you're loved, and you're cared for. And two is, uh, if you're struggling with that type of thought process, ultimately, you need to talk to somebody. You need to talk to a professional. Let me encourage you to go see a professional. If you don't know how to start that process, um, afterwards, after dessert, during our dessert time, I'd love to talk to you out in the foyer. I usually sit over here in these comfortable chairs, unless there's a group of people that got there before I did, and they hone in on them. But um, I usually sit out over there. I'd love to talk to you and help you with this process. But it's, it's, it's extremely serious. And uh, unfortunately, there's uh, been members that have been a part of our group here that have passed away because of that. And recently, within the last month, I've lost two people that have been in... Uh, connection with that have taken their own life. And uh, it's really, really, really sad. It's a huge bummer. And I'm struggling a little bit with that. So if you struggle with that thought process, please, please, please talk to somebody. And so right now, I just want to give you a moment and us a moment. Just take a moment of silence to pray for those in and out of the rooms that are still struggling with their addiction or even struggling with these thoughts. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for the fact that you love every single one of us. You formed us, you made us, we are not a mistake, and that you care about us. And so may we humble ourselves if we're struggling to reach out for help. If we're still trapped in our addiction, may we reach out for help. If we think we are standing firm, may we reach out for help lest we fall. So Lord, thank you. Guide our time tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. As I mentioned that topic, one of the things that can really start to trigger this thought process is step four. We get to step four, moral inventory. That's extremely difficult and because uh, we're going into the depths of our soul. And when we go into that depth, it can be really, really difficult at times. And so as we step into this on Tuesday night, I encourage you to process those things with your with your. Uh, step study leader, open share leader, counselor, start talking to people about it. But tonight we're talking about moral. 
Moral is this, and this is what Calvin Miller says, and I don't think you have a slide up there for it. Uh, we human are a hungry lot. We, have, we are driven by a craving to know who we are, yet who we are is embedded in the heart of a holy God. Unless we seek for ourselves in epicenter of God's grace, we will be forever condemned to walk the arid edges of self-understanding. And just that thought process of that man, we have to dive deep. And this is all embedded in God's heart and in his life. Let me change my brightness. There we go. I can actually see the page now. Perfect. Um, The green book of SAA, page 31. I know that the white book usually gets passed around. There's a lot of people that use the white book. Um, We use the green book. I I like the green book. Page 31, this is what it says. We take a stock of the feelings and patterns that shaped our lives. We take stock of those things. We have to inventory those things. We have to look at those things. The big book of AA, page 64. Go back to page 64. There's the one. That's the one I wanted. A business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. It is an effort to discover the truth about the stock and trade. One object is to disclose damage or unusable goods to get, uh, to get rid of them promptly and without regret. If the owner of the business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself about values. And as we enter this state of recovery and we enter into the moral inventory, we start taking a look at our life, we have to inventory everything. But Scott, I've already been forgiven of this sin, so do I have to look at it? Yes. Well, why? It just brings up bad feelings. Yes, I know. We still have to go in and we have to dive deep into those areas because we have to take an honest look. And maybe we have dealt with it. Maybe we have dealt with that major sin and we have been forgiven already. That's okay, but we need to inventory that. We need to write that down and we need to process that. We have to look at those damaged spots. We have to look at the hurt and pain that we've caused other people. If you continue on back to the Green Book of AA, which is what you just had up there, um, page 31, it also says this. We come to realize that our addiction is more than just unmanageable sexual activities or alcohol or whatever, put it in there. It includes an entire system of underlying thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. If we neglect this inventory, we risk being stuck and our old habits and mistaken beliefs and our unexamined defects of character will eventually lead us to relapse. You only get out of the step work what you put into it. And if you skate through this, this part of the inventory, this part of your recovery, you're only going to get out of it what you put in. And you're going to be potentially going back to relapse. So if you're just checking the boxes, that's fine. Check the boxes and move on. You're only fooling yourself. But if you're serious about recovery, you're serious about life change, you're serious about doing these things, I get a lot of guys that come in and go, I want to keep my wife, I want to keep my wife, and they balk at doing the program. They say, ah, I'm good. I know more than you. Okay, well, you know more than me. Kudos. Tell me how it works out for you. And sure enough, a year, three months, whatever it is, they come back and they go, yeah, it didn't work out too well. I know. And it's not just me, because what I'm talking about is just the steps. 
Work the steps. Do an inventory. Go deeper. You save yourself a lot of time and hurt. You save your family a lot of time and hurt. You save your sponsor a lot of time and hurt. You do the work. First thing in moral, the M is this. Make time. If you guys saw yesterday on Facebook or on YouTube, I put out a motivational Monday thing and I talked about this, that we would value the time that we're gonna sit down with God, that we're gonna take a moment and we're actually gonna sit at a table with God. We're gonna sit here and we're gonna say, I value this time enough to stop doing everything else in the world that I'm doing or I could be doing to spend time with you, God. Some of us, it's difficult to sit at this table. It's intimidating to sit at this table. A couple weeks ago, I talked about the fact that God is standing at the door and knocking. Are you gonna let him in? That he may eat with us. So are you gonna open that door and sit at the table with God and eat with him and fellowship with him? Do you value it? Do you honor it? Do you take it serious? So you set a date. Put it on a calendar. Write it down. Put it in your book. Put it in your phone. I'd say 90% of us have phones that we could put something on a calendar. Put it on there. Block it out. Whatever you got to do, set that time. And if you're a spouse and your spouse is wanting to do a time to do an inventory, let them. Let them have that time to do the inventory. Give them that opportunity. Calvin uh, Miller also says this, fellowship with Christ can only be experienced at a wilderness table for two. Interesting thought. Job 33, verse 33 says this, listen to me, keep silence, and I will teach you wisdom. That we would sit at this table as we begin this process in silence, waiting for the Lord to speak to us. Waiting for God to show us what we need to write down, what we need to inventory. It's easy when you're inventorying a business because you actually have the goods in front of you. You can actually pull that stuff out. Every once in a while, I get a, uh, a desire to clean out my refrigerator. And no, different than when I was in high school, cleaning out my refrigerator in high school, eating all the food as I pulled it out. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> cleaning out my refrigerator is going into those dark areas and pulling out that bag of soggy, old, rotten uh, vegetables that are back there. You know the jalapenos you kept in there a little bit too long? Whew, they're fermenting and not the kind of good fermentation that you want, right? You don't want that, and so you gotta clean that out. It's easy. It's harder when we have to look into our own lives, when we have to take a seat at the table and inventory our heart. Inventory our soul. That is difficult. But through this process, you have to be open. The Owen moral is open. You have to be willing to let God truly look at all those areas of your life. My first inventory, I was defensive. I sat down and I was like, hey God, I'll let you into these areas, but this area, not so good. Not going there. We have to be willing to let God take us on the journey that he wants us to, to go on. That means we have to take our guns and leave them at the door. 
We gotta not put up those walls. We gotta not say, hey God, this is too sensitive of a topic. I just need to avoid it. I know that I was molested as a child. I'm not gonna go down that path and talk about it. No, you need to. But you may need somebody to come alongside you and help you. You may need a counselor to come alongside you to really dive deep into those areas. So you do that. You find that counselor that'll sit down. Calvin Miller says this, we fear to search for who we are, perhaps because we're afraid that having located our true souls, we might not like ourselves all that much. Wow, I love Calvin Miller, just saying. Good stuff, man, like that hit me in the face. Because I was the chameleon, I was the mask wearer, I was the guy that whatever you wanted me to be, I would be. You want me to, I couldn't be the bad like gangsta guy, I couldn't do that, but I could be most things. I could be the good church guy, I could be, you know, the, the, the athlete, I could do that, I could fake being smart, I can do that. I got good grades for the most part, right? I could do those things, but when I did those things and I wore the mask, the mask was the only thing that got love. And I didn't like what was underneath that mask because if I took that mask down, they would see that I was a sex addict. That when all my friends go away and I'm not around them anymore and I'm in my home and I'm by myself, I'm looking at porn. And to me, I thought that was unlovable. That I was unlovable because I did those things. I had to be open to search that out in my life. And it is a journey. Job chapter seven, verse 11 says this, let me express my anguish. Let me be free to speak out of the bitterness of my soul. And may you during this process speak out from the bitterness of your soul that you would be open to talk and communicate from the depths of the hurt and the pain that you're at. And that may be that as you're sitting at the table with God that you find yourself crying, that you find yourself weeping. I grew up in an environment that real men don't cry. I know that every man probably back in the day had a handkerchief, right? My dad had one, we called it the snot rag. It was white and he always had one and, but it was only because of allergies. It was never because of crying. That's what I always say when I cry, it's just allergies, it's okay. But the reality is, is it's there. May you be able to express that, SAA. Green Book on page 32 says this, that it says that we open ourselves to the care and healing of our higher power. That as we open ourselves up to this, the depth of the pain, we also open ourselves up to the healing that God wants to do in our life. I worked in the emergency room and there's a lot of wounds that would come in. A lot of people would come in. Stabbings, infections, all those things. And when those infections came in, you know, and they would pop. Yeah. You guys know that smell. Gnarly. Nasty. It would smell up everything. And uh, you got to dig in and get all that pus out. But you have to do that so God can start that healing in the body. And he needs to do the same in your life. You got to dive deep into that. Four questions that you can ask yourself to help you through this process. Question one, what do I feel guilty about? Two, what do I resent? Or who do I resent? 
Three, what are my fears? Four, am I trapped in self-pity, alibis, or dishonest thinking? What do I feel guilty about? I still have guilt that pops in my head. Did I not act quick enough and deal with the situation soon enough? Did I enable a person's behavior and now it's out of control? It's one of the things I'm dealing with right now. What do I resent? I have resentment because I didn't do what I needed to do. And so because of that, resentment starts to creep back up. And so I continuously work on that. What are my fears of doing this inventory that I do? Not liking what I see. Fear of rejection. Fearing someone going, Scott, you did that, you're fired. Like seriously, if the elders knew what I did in my life, why would they hire me? I don't know. Why would I still have a job? I don't know. Sometimes we sit on that pity pot. When we're on that pity pot, troubles have taken space in our hearts. It's sparsely attended. It invites others into our problems. But it gets, uh, invite others. Our problems get smaller and trivial. We like to suffer just a little bit longer. As those things go away, we start to just sit there. Let me just sit with it. Mm. One of my kids, when we potty trained him, would be watching his cartoons and we'd be like, hey, did you uh, go to the bathroom? And he's like, nope. As we smell and see the reality of the situation, he just wanted to sit in it. And I was like, oh, it's so gross. Babe, you gotta come clean this up. <laughs> Right? I was a jerk. No, um, she just happened to be around him a lot more than me, and I'm just so grateful. We're finally through the potty training with Boaz, so my last one through. It's awesome. Yes! Um, the R in moral is this. Rely. That we rely. We don't have time for it, but uh, I remember going to Tennessee, and I remember at, when I was in Tennessee, they did a trust walk. They did this idea where they would blindfold you. No. I'm going to fall off stage. <laughs> Catch me. Um, right? But we would rely on somebody. That they blindfolded us and they had somebody lead us around. Some of us have done that. I remember growing up, and there was, there was a favorite actor of mine back when I was in junior high and high school, Jean-Claude Van Damme. And do you remember the movie? I think it was, uh, I'm going to go Bloodsport on this one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Bloodsport. And he trains how to fight blind. Yeah, anytime that happens in a movie, you know there's something good coming up. <laughs> Just saying. And then at the end, the guy like, the bad guy crushes up a powdery substance and throws it in his face. And he's all, Gah! <laughs> <laughs> It was awesome. It was awesome. And then he just sits there like that forever. And then they show the same kick like five times in a row. He's all, bah, bah, and I can't do it because I can't get the splits. I just can't get my leg up that high. But he does this kick, and it just like destroys this guy, and it's awesome. We have to trust the things. We have to trust and rely that God is going to lead us through those times, that he's going to give us the sense of when we need to act on something and when we don't. The journey 
that we have inward is painful. And so make sure you don't do this alone. It is painful, but we have to rely on God and rely on others. Isaiah 40, verse 29, it gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. That God will do that. He gives strength to the weary. And so during this process, make sure you rely on him as you honor and respect this. I'm running out of time. Analyze. A. Analyze and moral. You got to evaluate this. One of the great things that I love about coaching is the things that I've learned. And one of the greatest things that I've learned is how to analyze things. Because I am a not detailed guy. You can ask my administrative assistant. I'm not about details. Hey, can you do this? And I don't know what all the steps it takes to do that. I just know eventually we're going to get this product that I really want. And my admin is supposed to guess what that is and make it happen. And she does. She does a great job. Thank you, Beth. And, uh, but here's the thing is in football, we would play our game on Friday night. And by probably the next morning when I would wake up, there'd be game film on a program called Huddle. And I would get up and I would have to go back. And I was a special teams coach and a defensive line coach and offensive line coach. So I would have certain guys I'd have to go watch. I'd have to watch every player on special teams to grade them to see if they did good or bad. And then I'd have to watch every D lineman and I had to grade them if they did good or bad every play. You go, that's not a lot. That's not bad. I know. So let's say special teams, usually there is about 12 plays a game. Awesome. 12 plays times 11. Oh, that's a lot of time. And I'd go, okay, did they do it right? Did they do it wrong? Did they, oh, that guy's not even in the frame. Do they have a different angle? And there was always two angles. So you have two angles you got to watch. It was crazy, monotonous. But one of the things that taught me is how to analyze if what we are teaching the guys if they're doing on the, in the game. If the play is to the right and they go this way, to pull, chances are they're not doing it right. And so I can give them a fail. But it helped me because what I was able to come away with this is how do I analyze a Tuesday night? How do I analyze my own life? How do I do step 10 if I don't know how to analyze what I'm doing every single day? And it's really been a blessing in my life to figure that stuff out. How often does it happen and how powerful is it in your thoughts is one of the gauges that I use when I'm dealing with a sponsor that's struggling with their thoughts or their actions or their behaviors or they're having slips or they're having relapses, I ask this question, and you should ask this question, how often does it happen and how much power does it have in your life? Whatever that may be. Scott, I eat too much cheese. Awesome. <laughs> so how often does that happen? Well, about five times a day. Okay. How much power does it have in your life? In other words, how much pull does it have? So from the refrigerator, can you hear the cheese talking to you? <laughs> Get on, I love it. Everyone goes, yes, it does, cheese speaks. It doesn't matter, Swiss cheese, cheddar cheese, Gouda. Oh, that's so Gouda. Oh, it's awesome. Proverbs 20, verse 27, I gotta get going. The Lord gave us mind and conscience. We cannot hide from ourselves. So may we sit and be real with who we are. The L in moral is this, list. List it, write it down. Write it. 
Well, Scott, I'm not really good at journaling. Awesome, that's probably why you're an addict. Write it down. How much time did you spend going out there and peeling the labels off the beers that you drank? Write it down. List it out. Write it. Keep it balanced, but write it. So how I keep it balanced is uh, when I get a name on my list, not only do I write the negative, but I also think about what positive did that person have on my life. Because not everybody is 100% negative in my life. And so my mom is probably the biggest person on my inventory list. And so I have a lot of negatives on there. But I also had to write down positives. What are the good things that she did? How did she take care of me? How did she provide for me? How did she nurture me? Keep it balanced. Lamentations 3 verse 40 says this. Let us examine our ways and test them. That's why you do it. Scripture tells us, let us examine and let us test them. Let us write them down and let us look. If we don't write them down, we are in danger of missing something important. I have a lot of great thoughts. And back then, back when I was young, starting recovery at 25, I knew everything. I didn't need to write this down. I got it. At the age of 45, 20 years later, what? <laughs> that happened? What I say? I forget. What they say? I don't know. And it's just old age for me. For you, you just, that's one of the other things I hear all the time from addicts. I don't have a good memory. Yeah, no kidding, because you're still doped up on drugs or alcohol, or you have all those endorphins going through your head because you're, uh, uh, you're a workahol- workout uh, addict, or you're a sex addict, or whatever, and you don't know how to deal with it. Exactly. So get some sobriety, and your memories will start to come back. Last thing I want to say before we close in the serenity prayer. Make sure that when you do this process and God is knocking at that door, that you take that time to actually sit at the table and fellowship with God. Actually sit down and wait. Wait for God. Will you guys stand with me and we'll close in the serenity prayer? The focus question we have for tonight is this. It's going to go up there. Five, four, three. Yeah, there it is. What are your fears about uh, starting your inventory? And what were the benefits of completing your personal inventory? If you haven't gotten to this process, uh, focus on that first question. So let's close that serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Amen.